Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is podcast 402. We've got good news today. We've got a special guest as we learn the tools of influence, motivation, persuasion, even mindset, self-persuasion, the skills we should have learned in school. We've got a guest today named Dr. Ivan Meisner, is the founder and chief visionary officer of BNI, the world's largest business networking organization. Founded in 1985, the organization has now over 10,400 chapters throughout every populated continent of the world. Last year alone, BNI generated 11.5 million referrals, resulting in more than $16.2 billion worth of business for its members. Dr. Meisner's PhD comes from USC. He is the New York Times bestselling author who has written 26 books, a lot more than me, including one of his latest books, Who's in Your Room? He's a columnist for theentrepreneur.com and has been a university professor. Called the father of modern networking, both by Forbes and CNN, Dr. Meisner has considered to be the world's leading experts on business networking, has been a keynote speaker for major corporations and associations throughout the world. He's been featured in LA Times, Wall Street Journal, and New York Times, and as well as numerous TV and radio shows, including CNN, BBC, and the Today Show on NBC. Welcome, Ivan. How's things going? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. Thank you. It's a great honor to be here. You know, BNI's changed a lot of lives, and I love your commitment to personal development and creating vision of the future and helping people be more successful in business. And I'm excited to learn from you today, but we always have to start off with this question on the show. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? You know, that's a funny question to ask. I did an interview just a couple of days ago. It was like, what's my favorite cheese? So <laughs> this is this is interesting. I would say probably squash. I just don't like the texture and flavor of squash. Is that all squash or specific squash? Yes, all squash. <laughs> Pretty much all squash. I'm all not a big of the fan. above. I, I'll agree. It's hard to make that taste good unless you have a lot of ranch and a lot of salt or a lot of butter or something. But yeah. even with that, it's still gooey and squishy. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into it. Squash is the vegetable of the day. And I know you do a lot of work with networking and building businesses. So a lot of our listeners on the show are building businesses or just building in general. What do you see the biggest blunder today and people that are trying to expand and build their business? So I think if you want to be successful in business, you got to do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. And I see way too many business people that are doing a thousand things six times. They keep chasing one bright, shiny object after another, and they're not really doing things consistently over time. If I have any superpower at all as a business person, it is that I am a dog with a bone. I will work something and work something and work something until I get it right. I think that's probably the single biggest mistake I see with business people. And that's use that shiny object. Uh, I like that dog with the bone. So how do, how do we do that? You know, I'm an entrepreneur. A lot of, we want to do everything, take care of everything, solve everything, do everything. And you're like, no, 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 do a few things 
well a lot of times you said a thousand times how do we train our brain to do that because the entrepreneurial brain's like whoop we're all over the place any yeah. suggestions there well yeah a few i mean you've got to really um learn how to delegate effectively and so let's talk about delegating effectively if you want to scale your business, you can't, you know, BNI has 10,400 groups in 70 countries around the world. There are about 14,000 people who work for the company. You know, I couldn't build a company this size if I didn't delegate. If you want to scale a business, you got to delegate. And so here are two concepts that people can apply to learn how to delegate effectively. First, you must delegate responsibility and secondly, authority. We tend to de delegate responsibility, but not authority. This is your job. This is what you got to do. But we don't give people the authority to do it, including the authority to make mistakes. Mm. Um, and so now you don't give 100% authority to a learner. So let's say you hire somebody, you give them maybe 50% authority. You know, you can make decisions up to this point, but once you reach this point, you got to come see me. And then over time, as they learn the business, and they learn their job, then you give them 60% authority, 70, 80, 90, and maybe 95% authority, sometimes more. But I mean, generally, there's some piece, usually some financial aspect, you know, if what you do is going to cost this, you got to come see me, or if there's an attorney involved, you got to come see me. And so you end up giving somebody almost 100% authority. That's the way you delegate. You delegate responsibility and authority in order to scale a business. Yeah, well said. That's hard for a lot of entrepreneurs because they want to hold on to it, but I like yeah, the- Well, enjoy being a solopreneur for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, well said, because you have to do it. There's no way to really scale and grow like you mentioned, no. building the responsibility and authority. And I mean, you're the master of helping people grow businesses and the networking. So, I mean, you spent your life on helping people network and getting referrals. Let's back up and ask- how did you get into that? Was it because you needed it personally as a, an entrepreneur or where, how did you get into that to build such a massive organization? Well, I'd like to tell you, I had this vision of an international organization, but the truth is I needed referrals for my consulting practice. I was a management consultant and I put together some people I trusted. They trusted me and you know we would agree to refer each other. And the thing just snowballed. It really is an example of necessity being the mother of invention. I went to networking groups that were very mercenary. I didn't like those. I went to networking groups that were very social. I didn't like those. And so I created one that was had a focus on business, but wasn't mercenary. And it uh, had a focus on relationships, but building relationships, but it wasn't totally social. And the glue that would hold it together is our principal core value of, of giver's gain, this idea that if I help you, you'll help me. And we'll all do better as a result. And it just took off. I mean, it just it grew. I opened 20 chapters the first year without a plan. And it was really at that point that I, I realized I had struck a chord in the business community and, and I created my plan to scale the company. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's just exploded. It's grown so fast. But let's talk about that. The people who are out there, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, you're in business, networking is the key. What are the keys to networking and getting more referrals what are you seeing out there? What are, are there changes with COVID and things that are happening? What are some of the keys to really help people out? Well, let's start with what not to do. A number of years ago, I was speaking at a large event, about 900 people. It was an all-day affair. I was a keynoter. I don't know what possessed me, but I asked the audience, how many of you are here today hoping to possibly sell something? 
And Kurt, 900 people raised their hands. Mm. I said, uh, great. How many of you are here today? Second question, uh, hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly buy something. No one raised their hands. <laughs> That's a great question. Not one single person. This is what I call the networking disconnect. People show up at networking events wanting to sell, but nobody's there to buy. So why go? You go to networking events to work your way through what I call the VCP process, visibility, credibility, profitability. You have to first be visible. People have to know who you are and what you do. Then you move over time, over a fair amount of time to credibility where people know who you are. They know what you do. They come to realize that you're very good at what you do. And then and only then can you get the profitability where people know who you are. They know what you do. They know you're good at it and they're willing to refer business to you. That's why you go to networking meetings. Don't go to networking meetings to, to use it as a face-to-face -face cold calling opportunity. Go to work your way through the VCP process. And we've all been to networking meetings where people have tried to jump over visibility, jump over credibility, you know, get right to profitability. In one of my books, we call that premature solicitation, which you don't want to say fast <laughs> three times. It'll get you in trouble. No, I, I love that. Listeners, I hope you caught that to where... There's a process here. You want to be one and done. You want to get married without dating. You're not going to go to these networking events. Oh, here's my credit card. Let's do business. And there's yeah. a process here. <laughs> yeah, there is. And it's all about building relationships. It's not just the contacts you have. It's the connections, how deep the connections. If, you, if your network is a mile wide and an inch deep, it'll never be very powerful. And so you need to have a network that is both wide and in some places deep where you there's somebody who really knows, likes, and trusts you and is willing to refer business to you. So you get to know them, you get the visibility. And I like your credibility part because that, that's important because trust is at an all-time low, having that credibility. So what are the keys? All right, they know who you are. Do you have the credibility to prove your worth before you even think about profitability? Are there any keys to credibility? Yeah, I think one of the most important ways to uh, build credibility uh, with somebody that's not using your, your product or service so they don't know exactly how good you are is uh, to start by doing one-to-ones. You meet with people outside the normal networking event, networking meeting, you go a little bit deeper in building a relationship with that person. One of the techniques I recommend that people use when they do a one-to-one -one is something called the gains exchange. It's something I've written about in a few of my books, the gains exchange. It stands for goals, accomplishments, interests, networks, and skills. Now, if your listeners didn't catch all that. I'll, I'll repeat it, but you can also find it on my blog at ivanmeisner.com. Just do a search on gains and I've got several pieces on it. Goals, accomplishments, interests, networks, and skills. And so we would sit down in a one-to-one -one and I'd say, Kurt, tell me, what are some of your professional goals, maybe personal goals? And then I tell you some of mine. What are some of your accomplishments? Here are some of mine. And then what you're looking for is overlapping areas of interest, things that click with each other, that uh, then help lead us to a deeper professional relationship with one another. Yeah, I agree 100%. You got to find that something in common, a similarity, something you have together to kind of spark that relationship. So I exactly. love the gains. You're starting the relationship and you're going through. So what are the tips? So we've started the relationship. We found, we've done our gains. There's been, there's been a bond. What do we do next as far as building the trust that they accept us as the expert, someone that can really help them and serve them and, and help them take their life or business to the next level? Well, think about a, a personal friendship. Oftentimes, a personal friendship develops because you meet somebody that helps you out or supports you either emotionally or professionally in some way. And it's no different in a business relationship. 
So one of the first things I recommend is you start the process. You find an opportunity to refer them. The whole idea of of my philosophy of giver's gain is, if at all possible, you give first. And it's one of the best ways to build credibility is if you're, you know, if you pass somebody a referral and you help them get business, then they're going to want to do the same for you. I love it. So we're getting close. What are we looking for? We've connected, we've built credibility, we're visible. What clues are we looking for? Okay, it's time to ask. We can get the referral now. What are we looking for at that point to know, okay, it's, it's okay to ask? You bring up a good point because people often say it, it never hurts to ask, and they are dead wrong if you ask before there's a relationship. So, you know, the way you're describing it is correct. You want to build the relationship before you ask. People sometimes will ask for business before there's any kind of relationship, and that rarely goes over well. So, you build the relationship through something like a, a one-to-one, you do it maybe a second one-to-one, and you have to start having conversations about, okay, you know, what are you looking for in a referral? What kind of referrals can I give you? What do I want to listen for? Here's what you can do for me for referrals. This is what you want to listen for. You teach people the language of referrals for your business. So the language of referrals often begins with phrases like, I can't, I need, I want, I don't know. So if someone says, I can't, I need, I want, I don't know, what would they say next that would be a referral for your business? So what you have to do is teach someone what the next statement is so that they can listen when they're out doing business for someone who says, I can't, I need, I want, and I don't know. And then say, the next phrase is something that is potentially a referral for you. And so you got to teach people this. You can't just expect people to easily give you a referral. They don't know your business. So you got to help them to listen for the language of referrals for them. Oh, I like that. The can't need, want, I don't know. You're listening for it. The strategic never hurts to ask. You're right on to where, yeah, sometimes it does. Yeah. <laughs> You got to wait for that right timing. You do. And especially if you're networking up, you know, if you're networking with somebody who is above your weight class professionally, they are constantly really, really successful. People are constantly being hit on to buy products or services. And if you want to be like everyone else, ask them for business before there's a relationship and just watch how quickly that relationship fades it'll dissolve very quickly because really successful people are constantly being asked to buy products or services. So, you know, that's the last thing you want to do, especially when you're networking up. Instead, you want to find opportunities to add value to that person rather than try to sell something to them. I love it. I've noticed that too. You're influencing up or someone you said above your weight class in business, that they're the easiest people to influence if you've done everything right. Would you agree or disagree with that? No, I absolutely agree. And and everything right often means adding value to them in some way, talking to them about something that they're working on and how you might be able to help them with that. And if you can do that, then you're much more likely to get a referral from them. Let me give you an example. Uh, Years ago, I had a friend I knew in a business organization and he reached out to me one day. I mean, I, I called him a friend. He was an associate. I didn't know him real well. His name was Alex. And Alex suggested something on my website and I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm open to that, Alex, but I do my budget a year in advance. I'm not prepared to add that. And he's like, no, no, no. I want to test this out with somebody so that I can use it in my marketing with other people. So I'd, I would like to just try it out with you. 
I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. And so he did it. And then a couple months later, he had another idea. And then a couple months later, another idea. I was like, over a course of a year, he kept coming up with these ideas and doing these things for me. Finally, Kurt, after almost a year, he reached out to me and he said, hey, Ivan, I was just calling you because I have a favor to ask. And I said, Alex, the answer is yes. What is it that I'll be doing for you? And he laughed. He said, how how could you say yes without knowing what it is? I said, well, because you've done nothing but pour into me for almost a year. You just keep offering to do these things. And now, mind you, I said to him during that time, what can I do for you? He said, nothing. Anyway, I said, so, you know, you poured into me for a year. I can't imagine you're going to ask for anything that I'm not going to be willing to do. You know me well enough. What is it that I'll be doing? And he told me what it was. I'm like, oh, man, are you kidding? That's so easy. And I'm happy to do it. And so he earned the right to ask. And so when he asked, I not only was willing to do it, I was happy to do it because I felt it was my turn to give back. Earned the right. You were happy to do it, more willing to do it. If you really want a referral and work with somebody, you've got to add value, prove your worth, serve them first. Like I've mentioned, you were happy to. You would have done anything for him because you were happy with the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Another thing too, let's ask, kind of switch gears a little bit here. A lot of changes in the world the last couple of years, crazy covidness, weird things happening. What are some of the major changes you're seeing with networking and maybe business in general that we need to kind of switch up to, to adjust yeah. to the new times? Well, BNI, we started COVID with 9,700 chapters and we meet weekly and, and prior to COVID met in person every single week. So we had almost 10,000 weekly meetings in person. So we had to pivot pretty quickly. Uh, we now have 10,400 chapters. So we've actually opened 700 chapters during COVID. So, you know, networking looks different. If you go to a BNI meeting, you'd recognize it online. You'd recognize it, but it's all, well, not all. Many of the groups are still online. Many are going back to meeting in person. But let me just say, I think it was inevitable. Absolutely inevitable. I wrote an article for Entrepreneur in 2018 that said the future of uh, face-to-face is online. And my organization was like, what? You know, how could you say that? And I said, because of technology. Technology is changing so quickly that there's going to be a point at which, you know, mixed reality, 3D technology, holographic imaging is going to be as commonplace as the iPhone. That's a quote from the vice president of Linden Labs, who said that within 10 years, it's going to be as commonplace as an iPhone. He said that three years ago. And I really believe, you know, there'll be a day where uh, we're having meetings, maybe not quite like this, but close. You remember uh, Star Wars where they had the Jedi Knights that were holographic images, and then there was a real Jedi and a couple of holographic. Mixed reality, we're going to definitely get to that point. And when we do, Kurt, when we get there, I want to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) You've got it. You're Obi-Wan. The (laughs) Obi-Wan of networking and business growth. Let me ask you this. I love your book, Infinite Giving, The Seven Principles of Giver's Gain. Yeah. And help us understand, I'm, I'm a big believer in that, and I know you are too. Explain to us why you don't have to choose between winning and helping others. No, I think you know, it's not either or, it's both and. To me, giver's gain is more than a phrase. It's a way of living one's life. It's a perspective to view and interact with the world. It's an attitude, not an expectation. And when it's applied properly, it'll change your life. And when it changes enough lives... It'll change the world. I think your network is a beacon of hope in a sea of fear. 
The mm-hmm. people who are there for you in your personal network will help you through challenging times. And I've seen that firsthand in our BNI groups around the world. I love it. And I know you're a big believer of thinking big and personal development. What can you tell our listeners about the importance of personal development and how that can make a big difference in their life? Well, I'm a big believer in personal development. I remember I was I was in high school. I was a junior in high school when our football coach gave us a, a bootlegged copy of Psycho-Cybernetics Uh-oh. and uh, The Power of Positive Thinking, Maxwell Maltz. Um, it was sort of the law of attraction before the Classic. law of attraction, before the secret. Uh, man, I listened to that. I just thought that was amazing. I went out and bought the book. I still have that book from the 70s in my library here. It absolutely changed the trajectory of who I would become because it really had me focus on possibilities and solutions, not obsessing about problems. If all you do is is talk about problems, then you're going to be an expert at problems, but you have to talk about solutions and you have to, the servo mechanism of your mind from psycho-cybernetics is all about focusing on the possibilities and how you can get to solutions as opposed to just obsessing about problems. So from a young man, I was a big believer in self-development and was really pleased when I wrote my first self-development book, which was Who's in Your Room, about the people you surround yourself with. Well said, good information. Everyone take something they learned today and apply it. Uh, Ivan, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you do? You can go to my blog, IvanMeisner.com. Of course, anyone that's interested in visiting a BNI chapter is BNI.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms, particularly Facebook. I do a lot on Facebook. I post a ton of content. So I'm, I really believe in providing content and teaching people as a, a way of getting them interested in what it is that I'm doing. So social media and uh, IvanMeisner.com. So everyone check that out. Check out BNI. It's a great organization, great place to network and get referrals. It'll make a huge difference. And so, hey, thanks for listening to Maximize Your Influence. Thanks, Ivan. Really appreciate it. Powerful information. Again, take something you learn, apply it, use it. It'll make a huge difference. Hey, check us out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, YouTube, under Maximize Your Influence. On the website, you'll find the free Persuasion IQ assessment and the new edition of Maximum Influence. So apply it, use it, change your life. Appreciate the great information from Dr. Ivan Meisner. Master these skills, become more influential, and go out and persuade with power.